Voyage. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're Poppy and Jeff Spencer. We had a true love in our grasp and we let it slip away. I'm an art therapist and we're family law mediators and first and foremost, relationship coaches. It was the fall of 77. It was the start of my junior year in this idyllic college in Florida on a beautiful little lake in central Florida. And it was so great. I was a transfer student and didn't really know anyone. I felt a little awkward, but I was able to join the sorority that my mom went to. And it just so happened that my sorority house was right next door to Jeff's. I was on the water skate team and the dock was right in front of the pool. So I was regularly leaving the dock. And as, as always, I would glance up and just check out the action at the pool because there was always lots of pretty girls there. I first laid eyes on Poppy getting out of the pool days into the fall semester in 1977. She was a transfer student and I hadn't seen her before. She combed the water out of her long brown hair, drops of water sprinkled on the steps of the bleachers. The ends of her hair grazed her bikini top. And as she sauntered away, I was transfixed. Did you see that? I nudged one of my frat brothers. She is gorgeous. Those deep brown eyes, tawny, sun-kissed skin, curbs for days. I knew right then I had to meet her. I got my chance a few days later. I was drinking a beer at the pub in the basement of the student union. You got some <laughs> on your. Poppy gestured to my mustache. I was only 20, but had been sporting a stash for a while. It was like my name tag. I wiped the suds off of it. Occupational hazard. <laughs> it happens often. Only when I drink beer or hot chocolate or anything, really. I usually ask a pretty girl to help me out. You're doing fine on your own. Did you uh, have a good summer? For the most part. Spent it on a lake in western New York with my family. Swimming, water skiing, sailing. It was a blast. Sounds amazing. You said, for the most part. What's the part that wasn't a blast? The part when I died. What? Come on. It's true. I swear. I turned my left hand up and, like a palm reader, pointed to a line in the center. See this scar? 
It's where I held the wire that holds the mast up. I was standing barefoot on the damp morning ground, and neither my dad nor I noticed the power line until it was too late. Poppy's expression froze. The color drained from her face. Her eyes grew round and big in shock. My dad pushed the mast away from the power line, but not before I was electrocuted. Seized up my heart and lungs. My last thought was, I guess I didn't make it. Luckily, my father was a doctor. He administered CPR to me on the spot, beat the hell out of my chest, but, well, here I am. Poppy reached out with an unsteady hand and touched my arm. A second feeling of shock, only this one was far, far better. I'm so sorry. I'm fine, really. Are you crying? That must have been awful. I wouldn't recommend it. It took another minute to lighten the mood, but I was struck by Poppy's deep empathy. I mean, here we are. She's known me for only two minutes, and yet she's moved to tears about the thought of me dying. We stayed and talked until they threw us out of there. After we met at the pub that night, I was said to my roommate, oh my gosh, I think he's, I think he's really special. And we dated exclusively. It was probably 11 days maybe later afterwards that I slept with Jeff for the first time. And I was enchanted right from the very get-go. Once Poppy and I had that first meeting, I was just captivated and I couldn't wait for the next opportunity to be with her. And I was just excited that uh, that she, she was just seemed perfect to me. When I first slept with Jeff, that was a big deal for me because I was raised very conservatively and properly and I was sort of instructed to um, make sure that I would save myself for marriage. But I knew intuitively, I knew something deep inside that he was special and I felt very safe and loved and just, just right with him. We were on a drive back from a, a wonderful little getaway that we had, and I realized that I was three or four days late. And it wasn't uh, anything that I really wrapped my head around in a big way, you know. It's, I, I didn't know that timing was that critical. But I had never been late. This was critical. I was a wreck, and I knew that I would probably be disowned if I were pregnant um, and not married. And my first impression, I mean, I was madly in love with, with Poppy, and my first impression was, well, well, if you're pregnant, we'll just get married. And it, I was stunned. I was like, wow, he, he would really do that for me. He's the guy that, that's, you know, going to be a stand-up guy. And I definitely felt even more in love with him after that. Uh, we had met each other's families. We had enjoyed so many wonderful experiences with them. Uh, everybody loved, both my family and Jeff's family loved one another. And I was getting ready for graduation and looking for my future. I had a wonderful job waiting for me back in Wisconsin. I wasn't thinking about any of these things. My, I had a whole nother year of school coming. I had summer planned out and I wasn't, while I was enjoying every moment with Poppy, I wasn't really thinking about the future.
By the end of that academic year, I was consumed with thoughts of what my next steps would be. I knew I'd be moving back to Milwaukee and getting my first real job, but that was stressful enough. But the biggest thing on my mind was me and Jeff. He still had one year left. Pretty soon, we'd be 1,300 miles apart. I wanted to know how we'd make things work, so I paid him a visit at the frat house. Chief, that was my nickname for him. He called me Haunch, as in head honcho, so I called him Chief. I was wondering if you'd given any thought to next year. What do you mean? What are your plans? Mm, I don't know. Oh, except one thing, I will be captain of the water ski team. My heart sank. I better go. What? We just got here. I have a lot of work to do. I felt so stupid. After this incredible year we'd had, I assumed he wouldn't want things to end. And I figured, like me, he'd been thinking about how we can stay in touch and strategizing when we could see each other. But he didn't say any of the things I wanted to hear. I'd never loved anyone like I love Jeff. Never trusted anyone like I did Jeff. But clearly the feeling was not mutual. He didn't even consider me for the next year or even the summer. I wasn't even an afterthought. Obviously, I didn't mean that much to him. Had I been used this whole year? I've been thinking a lot. And we should break up. What? What are you talking about? Since I'm graduating and, and you have one more year here, we'll probably break up anyway. So maybe we should just get over it now. Well, don't you still love me? Yes. Then why would you do this? I don't know. I, I didn't think... What? What, you didn't think I'd be upset? Oh, he looked angry. I'd never seen him like that. You want to be friends now? No. I didn't think you'd be... Wait, that's not what I meant. I, I thought you... <laughs> Jeff made for the door. I grabbed his arm to stop him, but he shook it off and left the house. I was completely blown away by this breakup. I didn't see this coming at all. I was shocked. I was devastated, completely heartbroken. And it's hard to believe that it could actually get worse from this point. We had a tradition of celebrating sisters who had become engaged uh, with a candle ceremony. And it's secretive. It's kind of like musical chairs where you blow out the candle instead of pulling a chair away. And the and the person that blows out the candle is engaged. And it was also a big deal because our sorority and fraternity houses are right together, we knew this was taking place and we were all kind of like hanging over our balconies, looking into their courtyard and their, their area to kind of find out who it was. Who is it? After Poppy broke up with me inexplicably, I didn't want to be around people. I just wanted the year to end. My frat brother got me out of my cave for a burger, and on the way back, I saw the lights were turned off in Poppy's sorority house. I could see the sisters in the living room. They were all wearing white and were gathered in a circle. I knew exactly what was going on. Candlelight, a ritual that celebrates an engagement. Only the sorority president knows which sister is engaged. The candle is passed around in a circle from sister to sister. And on the second pass, the engaged woman extinguishes the candle, revealing the secret. 
A group of my frat brothers were gathered on our balcony taking bets on who it was. I looked through the window just as the candle illuminated Poppy's face. Then she blew out the light. It was her. But we'd only broken up three weeks before. How could that be? I had gone home for, like, Mother's Day weekend after Jeff and I broke up only weeks before. And I reconnected with a high school guy I had dated. And I was pretty vulnerable. Uh, He impulsively suggested we should get married. I didn't think it was a good idea to perform the candlelight when I got back to the school in Florida. Um, But our president was so um, forceful and said it would be fine. But it was the worst case scenario result. And when I, we were all there, uh, my fraternity brothers, and when the word snuck out that it was Poppy, a lot of people didn't even know we'd broken up. And it, uh, people were actually were congratulating me. Oh, it's Poppy, congratulations, Jeff. You know, it's been that wonderful. And I was like, it's not me. It's some other guy that she knew in high school or something. And I, it was just, it was, if there could have been any acid in the wounds, this was it. And it, it completely, from that point on, made me certain for 32 years that this woman wanted nothing to do with me uh, in, my, in our lives. And because I was raised in an environment where women and girls never chase boys, never pursue them, I didn't feel I had permission or the right to go after Jeff that one night and say, you know, can we talk? Can we do that? I I often wonder why I said yes. I think uh, because we had dated in high school, because our families knew each, each other, and I think subliminally and unconsciously, I think I thought, well, somebody wants me. So after college, I married the man that I had met in high school. We had two daughters. And then about, you know, a decade later, the marriage didn't work out and I was divorced. I also remarried a second time and I had two children, a daughter and a son. And that also ended in divorce after 15 or 16 years. And I too had uh, two marriages and two divorces. First marriage, I just married very young and uh, didn't know what I was doing. Second marriage uh, produced my uh, son, who at this point was a college age uh, young man. So we were both living separate lives in 2010. I was uh, first and foremost a mom taking care of my teenagers. My older girls were out of the house. We were both single, and I think even though friends had wanted to set me up with other people, I was pretty much done. We certainly had the blueprint of looking at my parents, Jeff with his parents, of beautiful 60-year marriages with respect as the foundation of them. And I thought, you know what, maybe maybe that's just not meant for me at this point. Um, But I love being a mom, and so I will... um, do my best to be the best mom I can be. And I had uh, been divorced for about five years and um, I was in a relationship that was coming to an end. And I remember just sort of saying, well, where do I go from here? And that's kind of where the thoughts came into my mind about Poppy. When I searched for Poppy's uh, name in the in the search engine, it took me to a couple different places and eventually got me to her webpage. 
And to my surprise, there was a phone number there and it actually even said, call for a free consultation. So I said, okay. I was at a car dealership with my dad, finalizing a purchase one. I recognize the area code. Who do I know in North Carolina? Hi, this is Poppy. Is this Poppy Terrace? After all these years, <laughs> his voice sounded the same and triggered a cascade of images in my mind and a flood of emotion in my heart. Oh my God, <laughs> Jeff. Over the years, I tried to find him. The last time was just months before, but I didn't have any luck. Oh, Jeff. I heard about your brother. I am so sorry. Jeff's brother was in the Twin Towers on 9-11. I wanted to reach out to you then, but I didn't know where you or your parents lived. Thank you, Poppy. It was a difficult time. Well, how are you? I can't believe you called me. <laughs> I just thought, whatever happened to Poppy, I thought I'd give you a call. My mind was racing. Oh my God, <laughs> he's calling me, just calling me. Oh, he's thinking about me. I broke your heart, didn't I? Yes, you did. I'm sorry, Jeff. I was young. We were young. I tried to call you in 1990 after I divorced the first time. I called information in Orlando three different times, but couldn't find you. I had left Orlando way before then. I noticed you've been married and divorced twice. I'm not proud of it. I am in the same club. I know I look bad on paper, but I still believe in marriage. Me too. We started talking almost every night for hours on the phone, reminiscing about our past, getting each other up to speed on the three-decade interval that we had had with no contact. These conversations were so long as one of those things where your, you know, your arm would get exhausted holding the phone. And I remember like, you know, literally like laying it on a pillow, I think, and laying my head next to it. But we would go on for just hours at a time. It was, it was so exciting and so much fun. Even though video calls had, had been in existence and we both had accounts to them, we never thought to use it. And I was, uh, I had the opportunity to travel for business and I could, it was easy easy for me to get an excuse to get down to Florida. And I started asking, I think we should meet up down there. It was very exciting. I was so nervous. I agonized over my choice of outfits, the color lipstick I'd wear. After 32 years, I was aware that I didn't look like the young co-ed Jeff had fallen in love with. I didn't want to disappoint him. I arrived at the airport early so I could meet Jeff as he came down the concourse. I watched as people reunited with loved ones. It seemed like the entire plane emptied out. I was starting to lose hope. Did he change his mind? Am I going to get a message saying, sorry, something came up? Then I saw a man in khakis approaching. From this distance, I couldn't make out his face, but oh, I recognized his walk. It was the same gate I'd observed watching Jeff cross the campus to meet me three decades ago. Whatever he looks like now, I know his walk. 
as he got closer, I saw the mustache. He still had the mustache. Just so he wouldn't have any trouble finding me, I held up a sign. It said, soulmate. Jeff? He slid his arms around my waist and pulled me close. I draped my arms atop his shoulders. You're here. I inhaled his scent. It was like a time machine, taking me back to 1978. We scanned each other's faces. He looked into my eyes, which were pooling with tears. Nothing's changed. You're the same. I reached out and stroked the dimple on his face. There's that smile. He pulled me closer and kissed me. His mustache feathery on my mouth, a tingling. <laughs> my eyelashes fluttered. It felt like a dream. Could this really be happening? Even after all this time, and as certainly as a former psychology professor, I know that we have muscle memory and cellular memory in our bodies, and we certainly had that same chemistry um, that 32 years could not extinguish. It felt so incredibly comfortable I remember so so clearly how just many simple little things, like we even had breakfast together one morning, and it just seemed like we'd been having breakfast together every day for years. Everything had been going along so smoothly, and even though external forces were and people were offering their unsolicited <laughs> advice to, don't you think you're moving too fast or whatever, we decided. Um, no, this just felt like the right thing. And so Jeff made the bull move to move down to Sarasota with me and my two younger children. My son was in college at the time, and uh, so I felt he was you know, settled and really didn't need me there anymore. The most exciting part was, of course, when we got uh, engaged. And I had uh, already planned uh, uh, a little getaway weekend where we were going to be, I was going to be taking part in a sailing race uh, at a lake in Michigan where I used to vacation as a kid and where my brother and I had sailed. And it was a celebration that was taking part around 9-11. And I wanted to do uh, not do anything on 9-11. I thought, you know, the perfect day would be the day after, 9-12. We'll do that the day after. And so I surprised Poppy one morning uh, during that regatta time and uh, pulled out the ring and surprised her first thing in the morning with the question. And it was wonderful and we're, we're, I was crying all the time, tears of happiness. And about a month or so later, we kind of hit a little bump in the road. Seven months after our reunion at the airport, I found myself waiting to pick him up again. As before, I saw him from a distance and recognized his silhouette as he strode down the concourse. But this time, his energy was different. He was not buoyant, there was no spring in that familiar step. Instead, Jeff was surrounded by a cloud of darkness. I did my best to lighten his mood. Hi, Chief. I'm so excited to finally have you home. Jeff had been away on business for a week. I thought for sure he'd be happier to see me. How was your flight? Packed to the gills, delayed takeoff and late arrival. Oh, well, at least when you're flying, you can enjoy some peace. When the stewardess wasn't spilling soda on my white shirt, I had a kid kicking the back of my seat. Oh, and they lost my bag. Oh, no. So I thought, 
Lucky me, it was the last one off the plane. Let's move. I thought once we clear the airport, the cloud will lift, but it didn't. You don't seem happy to be home. I am. We made small talk on the way home. Small talk. Just to fill in the silence. When we got there, I tried to help him take his bags out of the car. I I, I got it. Just go unlock the door. Please. I dug through my purse for the keys. Where did they go? Poppy, seriously? I'm looking. That's not a purse. It's a goddamn black hole. I told myself... He's had a hectic day traveling, but still, shouldn't he have been happy now that we're home? Maybe he didn't miss me. Maybe when he was back in Charlotte, he got homesick and blames me for moving him to Sarasota. Maybe he just doesn't care all that much. We went to our separate corners. Jeff stomped around the house, unpacking and putting his luggage away. I retreated to the kitchen and started to make dinner. My mind started to spin. We were 21 again. All those feelings of fear and rejection came back to the surface like it was yesterday. This whole experiment with Jeff, having him move in and pretending we could just pick up where we left off, we were just fooling ourselves. Hodge, what's wrong? I just, I feel like you're not happy with me. I've left my whole life to be with you. Sweetie, I'm not excited about anything right now. I'm tired of hotels and and airports and planes and and schlepping crap. There's no relaxing, no time for reflection, no time to think about coming home to my beautiful fiancé. But now you're home and you haven't even kissed me. After a day like today, I can't be all lovey just like that. I feel like you have regrets. Pops, you gotta stop filling in the blanks. I searched his eyes. He was sincere. When you're away, I feel your absence. So when I see you at the airport, I want to reconnect with you right away. And I'm just thinking, I want to get the hell out of airports, baggage claims, and cars, and be home. Then I can reconnect. Okay, but share your thoughts with me, even if they're not lovey. Talk about car transmissions for all I care. When there's silence, I do fill in the blanks, Jeff. Just like in college. But we're not in college anymore. That's for sure. We talk about this seemingly, you know, insignificant argument that could have really been catastrophic for our relationship 32 years ago. But because of, uh, of course, of the way I felt, and it did trigger some old traumatic emotions from when we were in college. But since college, um, I had been on a path and a journey to discover human behavior, which is why I became a psychology professor, which is why I've always been so fascinated with how people communicate and interact with one another. I knew in my heart that I always wanted to go forward with vulnerability and, and trust and and some courage to not be afraid to say what I wanted to say as I had back in 1978 in college. The whole argument thing to me was really not that big of a deal. I mean, I was just, I was just fried from a really lousy 
uh, road trip and uh, just had run out of, uh, I often say my, my goodwill meter was, was spent. You know, I just run out of goodwill. And so for me, it was just a matter of kind of coming to an, an understanding of how upset Poppy was about it. And I just needed to cool my jets and reassure her that this, that everything was just great. I mean, it was just me being just really big crummy because I was just worn out and wiped out. So it was, uh, to me, it was easy to kind of get right back and make it to come back together. The other thing is, is that we both had made that commitment to one another to um, really work on our communication and to be open and honest. And something we wrote about, you know, several years later, um, and a and a term that we coined and trademarked was called cognitive bypass. And we discovered this was part of the reason was because from the second we started talking on the very first phone call, neither one of us were were holding back. Neither one of us were being careful, making sure we didn't expose something. And uh, you know, the, the old "don't get hurt again" mentality wasn't there. It was we were both completely open and shared exactly what was on our minds. So cognitive bypass is kind of like speaking from your heart and not having it go to the mind to and the filter. ego brain and the monkey mind to filter and edit and censor something. It's, it's really speaking from the heart. And that's not to say that you speak unfiltered uh, when people say no filter, that you are cruel or unkind, but it's, it's just your own personal uh, expression. And so this argument was a silver lining, basically, because it really helped to showcase for us how our, you know, differences in interpretation of our, our behaviors really helped us to see that certainly 32 years before, we would have just walked away and shut down and not been able to communicate. Exactly. We didn't push it aside. We, you know, we immediately addressed it and... I, I made sure I understood exactly what was upsetting her and that, that and reassured her that that wasn't at all the case. And so we could take these tools that we had both developed over the years, you know, separately, but maybe together in a mm -hmm. parallel universe and put them together and really forge a deeper connection with us. In 2011, we were married and both of us, Jeff was still traveling, I was still an art therapist and working and teaching psychology. And three years after that, after we told people our story and that they could see that there would be hope for them yet too, we decided to um, leave our jobs, uh, took a leap of faith. Uh, it was a big risk, but we had already understood the importance of embracing vulnerability and being able to do that. And we decided to uh, go into relationship coaching together. So we decided to write the book and uh, we found the title of One Billion Seconds, which is approximately 32 years. The time we've been apart. We heard so many people when we would talk about our story and how incredible it was to be apart for 32 years and to refind each other and put it right back together and people would be just so excited they would say, oh my gosh, this sounds like it should be a, a you know, a, should write a book or be a movie or something. It's, this, is, this is too wonderful. So that's part of what kept driving us. We, we felt we had a lot to share with people and we'd, we'd, we'd experienced having something fabulous, losing it, having two marriages that didn't, uh, you know, didn't work out each. 
And, and then getting back together again, we kind of felt because of our personal journeys, we'd experienced a lot of things that we understood what makes relationships work and, and not work. We also became certified family law mediators, helping people after uh, six or seven years in, in the relationship um, arena, um, help them to end it or mend it and give them the tools and the grace to be able to leave those relationships. Um, we can say that we personally um, have very good relationships with my exes. Um, Jeff will even go off with my ex and play golf. And so um, we believe that that is, we try and give people that graceful, loving, open, uh, vulnerable approach to dealing with any kinds of relationships that can be challenging and to open their hearts a little bit more. We've coached many, many women who have been in abusive relationships and come to us essentially to get the, the, the blessing and the encouragement to, that they can move on. Probably the best thing we really loved about this is that we've been able to show them that you can find something again. And because of our journey, we can prove to them that you, you can find love again. That's very possible. And what we do um, really goes back to my role as an art therapist, you know, 20 years ago. One of the most important tenets of art therapy or any kind of therapy is to hold a sacred space or a safe space. And uh, that's what we currently do today is we hold that safe space for people to be able to openly and be able to trust um, and share their thoughts and feelings in a space where it's non-judgmental and um, where they will also feel uh, supported in um, any way that they need. It's so important for us when we're working with people to give them hope that it's, there's always possibilities, even though many of the people that we work with cannot see the future, cannot imagine a future. And we always tell them there's still time to find love. Hope Lives Here is a production of Voyage Media. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere you're listening. This helps more people discover the show. And subscribe now for future episodes. If you want to learn more about Poppy and Jeff's story, check out their website, poppyandjeff.com. Jeff is spelled G-E-O-F-F. -F. There's also a link to their book, One Billion Seconds, in the show notes.